0: Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I am so glad you're here. This is a weekly podcast with new episodes every Sunday and Monday morning. The inspiration for this podcast was a desire to talk about things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, three years ago, or yesterday. After listening to this episode, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite listening platform. Rate it and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Audible. And if you enjoy this episode, please consider sponsoring this podcast with a monthly donation by clicking the link in my Instagram bio at love letters and mixtapes or scrolling down to the notes section of this episode. I want to open this episode with a piece written by Paulo Coelho from his incredible book, The Warrior of the Light. The Breviary of Medieval Night says, the spiritual energy of the path uses justice and patience to prepare your spirit. This is the path of the night, a path that is at once easy and difficult because it forces one to set aside trivial things and chance friendships. That is why, at first, many hesitate to follow it. This is the first teaching of the Knights. You will erase everything you had written in the book of your life up until now. Restlessness, uncertainty, lies. And in the place of all of this, you will write the word courage. By beginning the journey with that word, and continuing with faith in the universe, you will arrive wherever you need to arrive. Well, the topic for this episode is having the courage and strength to be gentle with ourselves and others. And you might think, what does being gentle have to do with courage or strength? Or you might think, of course I'm gentle with myself and others. I love my friends, I love my family, or I love my partner. They all know that. But the reason that I wanted to speak about this today is that this topic goes beyond how we feel about the people in our lives or how we react to them. Having the courage and strength to be gentle with ourselves and others is a way of looking at ourselves and the world. And it's about making a commitment to ourselves instead of making a commitment to another person. And I also wanted to talk about it now specifically because this week is the two-year anniversary of COVID being declared a pandemic and the whole world shutting down. And now, in March of 2022, the world is opening up again in so many ways, and we are simply not the same people we were in March of 2020. So it feels like the right time to explore our commitments to ourselves and how we want to show up in the world. One thing that I have noticed in the media is that there is so much content floating around, encouraging us to point fingers at others, or to diagnose others, or checklists for toxicity. And they all direct us to feel an intense flood of relief by getting out of ourselves and focusing on things outside of us. Now, I believe that there is absolutely a time and place for this. Some people are abusive, some are very hurtful, some lack compassion, and there are dynamics in our lives that are incredibly toxic. Sometimes we can have an aha moment and see another person with the clarity we need in order to make change by reading some of these things. But I always hesitate whenever we are encouraged to regularly define or categorize other people without pausing for self-inquiry. I know it can be empowering and validating. Those things are so helpful in difficult relationships. But in this episode specifically, I want to explore how we are showing up every single day from our most casual interactions with strangers to our most intimate relationships. I want to talk about how we show up for ourselves as ourselves in those moments when we encounter discomfort in our interactions. I was thinking about my own life and how I could share an experience that I've had that would really apply to this topic. And the first one I thought of was when I was taking a yoga teacher training when I lived in Los Angeles. And I could probably do a whole series on what a dumpster fire experience that was for so many reasons. But one of the moments of that training that stood out the most for me was my final teaching exam. And it really has to do so much with what we're exploring in this topic. I had personally been leading yoga classes for a long time in LA. Teaching in front of a group wasn't new to me. I wasn't nervous, I was happy to share with my fellow students what I had been sharing in the classes that I was already leading. The topic that I chose for my final exam in this yoga teacher training was being an everyday warrior, taking our warrior postures and practice off the mat. And I spoke about wielding a sword of discernment instead of the sword of attack, and that unless a warrior uses their sword as a mirror, their weapon is useless. The strength of the warrior, as I perceived it, is self-inquiry self-accountability, and the power of continuous discernment. I explained to the class that it was precisely the warrior's ability to discern that was their actual power, and it was discernment between what is temporary and what is everlasting in themselves, in others, in the world, and how they showed up accordingly. I also shared that the greatest gift a warrior offers is their ability to bring peace and calm. If a warrior walks in the room and everyone clenches up in fear and stress and anxiety, then the warrior isn't wielding their sword correctly. Because as Earl Hightower says, the greatest thing a warrior can do is sheathe their sword, not use it not attack people, not be the one with the quickest wit, or the sharpest tongue, or ruthlessly sarcastic, or willing to cut someone down in order to put them in their place. He said that you can recognize a warrior because just being in their presence brings peace, ease, and calm. The whole world tells us that the warrior is one who attacks, and here, I was sharing that the everyday warrior is someone who can be still. Someone who can walk into any room, anywhere on earth, and look anyone in the eye because they have commitments with themselves which cannot be broken or impacted by the outer world. The warrior can enter the stillness, face themselves, and not run when it reveals to them exactly who they are and who they are not. The warrior recognizes that they are not what others call them. They are not the mistakes that they have made. They are not what other people think about them and neither is anyone else. And I closed this really vulnerable class that I was leading, that I was being tested on by sharing that my vision of being an everyday warrior is being strong and courageous enough with myself as a person to be gentle with myself and others. That the warrior's work is not to annihilate, but to regenerate. To rely on principles to direct my actions and thinking instead of allowing them to be diverted by my best ideas or one of my best intentions. And to always return to my personal commitment with myself to direct my actions and thinking. And if that commitment is that I want to bring consistent and ongoing kindness, forgiveness, patience, understanding, and compassion to the table, then I have to be prepared to do that no matter what is going on outside of me. Outside circumstances cannot dictate my principles. And I shared that the sword of discernment is bringing clarity to what is temporary outside of me and what is everlasting within me. So I finish this talk and everyone in the class is just blinking at me, including the two instructors who definitely did not like me to begin with. And no one says anything for a really long time. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, I thought this was a really powerful thing I was sharing and I was being so vulnerable and it's just crickets. Finally, one of the instructors says, you are very good at using your words because you've probably been doing that your whole life. Okay, who's up next? (laughs) So long story short, I failed the course and then I dropped out because I just had nothing left for this bizarre training I was involved in. And I've continued to lead yoga classes Ever since, But in the moment as I was sitting there, I remember being in awe at the irony that I would receive such little grace or understanding or even acknowledgement about what I was trying to say, and that the dismissive and sarcastic reaction I received actually perfectly illustrated my point. I walked into that room knowing who I was at my core. And I knew what I wanted to say and how I wanted to say it. I wasn't focused on the outcome or a tree bearing the fruits of my practice or my learning. I was focused on planting the seeds. And if I was satisfied with the seeds, I wasn't even worried about what anyone thought of the fruit. Now that little story is obviously a really easy and gentle example of what I am sharing about here. But how do we walk through our everyday lives with enough strength and courage to be gentle with ourselves and others? And do we even want that? How do we make that commitment to ourselves? How do we hold ourselves accountable? How do we show up with ongoing kindness, forgiveness, patience, understanding, and compassion? How do we do this while still maintaining boundaries? And how do we do this in a world that cosigns reactivity and explosive behavior? How do we lean in when we're being pulled? And how do we lean back when we're being pushed and still maintain our balance, integrity, and self-respect? How do we decide what it is that we bring to the table? Every table, every relationship, every encounter, every conversation, What is it about us that other people can depend on and trust, no matter what? I spoke about this a lot in my episode on emotional sobriety, because the two topics are so beautifully intertwined. The world tells us that our thoughts, feelings and behaviors are at the mercy of others and tells us that we are empowered by our rage and our reactivity. And I think of it in a different way. When my inner world is determined by what is outside of me, by how you see me, by how you talk to me, how you treat me, then I am at the mercy of fools. I am not empowered, I am not grounded. My sense of self, my principles, my emotional balance, and my reactions cannot be determined by anyone else. And I think our introduction to this way of thinking is in our intimate relationships and our romantic partnerships. We instinctively know that these special relationships deserve our patience, our understanding, and our compassion. I think most of us can probably agree on that. If the relationship progresses, maybe we even take vows. We make a commitment to show up in certain ways. But the part of those vows that never really gets explored is, What will I do? How will I show up? And how will I respond when something doesn't go my way? Or when I feel insecure? Or when I feel that you've betrayed me? Or when my ego is bruised? Or when I tell myself that you deserve the way I want to treat you? Having the courage and strength to be gentle with ourselves and others is less about restraint and more about liberation. That is the message I most want to share here today. And I know that I have no control over how anything lands or is interpreted, but that is truly what I'm trying to share. And I know that message can be confusing. It can seem as if I'm encouraging us to limit or curate our emotions or responses. But what I am talking about is harnessing and channeling all of our thoughts and emotions in a way that allows us to use our sword of discernment instead of a sword of volatility or righteousness or punishment. And I want to share another excerpt from Paulo Coelho's The Warrior of the Light. And in this one he says, You can recognize a warrior of the light by the look in his eye. Warriors of the Light are in the world. They form part of the world, and they were sent into the world without saddlebags or sandals. They are often cowardly. They do not always act correctly. Warriors of the Light are wounded by the most foolish things. They worry about trivialities. They believe themselves incapable of growing. Warriors of the Light sometimes believe themselves unworthy of any blessing or miracle. Warriors of the Light often ask themselves what they are doing here. Often they find their lives meaningless. This is why they are Warriors of the Light. Because they fail. Because they ask questions. Because they keep looking for a meaning. And in the end, they will find it. And I love this perspective. Because he is honoring what the journey of living with a courageous heart actually looks like and feels like. It is not grandiose. It is not perfect. It is not all heroism and accolades. It is, however, a path of deep humility, trust, and continually returning to the everlasting parts of ourselves without shaming us for being human, for having flaws or for not always engaging as our highest selves. This path is about love and tolerance for others, as well as love and tolerance for ourselves. And these ideas can seem lofty. Sure, we can have love, tolerance, and compassion for others in our minds, but how does someone practice that on a daily basis, in real life? with real in-laws or real coworkers or ex-partners. I want to share a few practical ways to begin this journey that you can incorporate today, where you are with what you have in whatever company you find yourself surrounded with. I invite you to begin identifying what you would include in a commitment with yourself. Decide what it is that you want to bring to the table no matter what anyone else brings. Identify what it is that you are committed to about yourself that no one could separate you from. And it's about what I spoke about earlier. Taking a moment to discern between what is temporary and what is everlasting. What about you is everlasting? What would remain if everything else was taken away from you? What are your core values? And if you are struggling with identifying these things, just recognize that this is not some get-rich-quick scheme, some aha moment or an epiphany. This is a process of revealing yourself to yourself. And it may take some time. In fact, it might take a lifetime. It's helpful to ask ourselves, In which relationships, settings, or dynamics do I allow elements of myself to be determined by anything outside of me? Are my commitments of character and core values contingent upon what someone else does or says? Do I understand that a commitment with myself to a certain way of life is a commitment that does not involve other people? I think it's important to talk about spiritual bypassing here because we can so easily slip into that and we can weaponize these commitments against ourselves and that is not the purpose of this so let's just talk about that openly if someone says something hurtful which is bound to happen to us yes it can hurt i am in no way saying that our goal is to be a bunch of robots who are immune to living on this planet and having a human experience. I am not talking about responsiveness or awareness. I'm talking about reactivity and the excuses that we sometimes make when someone else has hurt us and we cross boundaries within ourselves and we do or say things we swore we would never do. But this time, we tell ourselves it's okay because the other person deserves it. And that is a trap. And that's what this whole episode is about. It's about making a commitment to ourselves so that we don't walk into that trap. Having the courage and strength to be gentle with ourselves and others is not about grand gestures. But what we may find most helpful is approaching everything and everyone from a position of neutrality. And what does that look like? It looks like detaching from the story we tell ourselves about people, places, and things. It's about recognizing when our adrenaline starts pumping, and we feel insulted, or our ego begins chattering in our heads, and we stop listening or paying attention, and we only focus on our comeback when we look at the person in front of us and we think of them as an other. It's about pausing when we feel an intense desire to cut someone down to size or to lash out. It's about bringing ourselves back to center when we feel ourselves seeking relief through escapism and finger pointing. A really simple yet powerful way to build these muscles is to bring some awareness to how we take compliments and how we take criticisms. And this can be a daily practice. And the more we engage in this, the more we learn about ourselves and other people. Simply put, this is a practice of taking compliments and criticisms with the same level of non-attachment. And that might sound very easy to do, But the more we practice it, the more we realize how we attach stories to how people perceive us. So this is an opportunity every time a compliment or criticism comes up to just step back from it. And again, find that position of neutrality and internally just nod along, but to not take it in. In the first verse of the Bhagavad Gita, The father of the warriors asks his advisor how his sons did on the field of battle. And I think about that because that is the question that we can ask ourselves every single day. How did I show up in my life today? How did I show up in my interactions and my relationships today? Was I guided into thinking and action by my principles? Or did I allow my best intentions to take me off my path? What could I have done better? Have I allowed a good day or a good moment to convince me that my work is done or that I am so evolved or that I can just rest on my laurels? And if I didn't do well today, should that stop me from trying again the next day and reaffirming my commitment to showing up in all the ways that I want to show up in the world? I've mentioned the book, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, several times in this podcast because it's one of my favorites, and I think that if you enjoy this podcast in any way, you would really enjoy reading this book. And I wanted to share a quote from the book that I always come back to. Silence is the warrior's art, and meditation is his sword. With it, you'll cut through your illusions. But understand this. The sword's usefulness depends upon the swordsman. If you don't know how to use the weapon properly, it can become a dangerous, deluding, or useless tool. Meditation can initially help you to relax. You may put your sword on display, proudly show it to friends. The gleam of this sword distracts many meditators until they abandon it to seek other esoteric techniques. That quote is such a beautiful reminder that this is a process and a journey of humility and of peeling back the layers to return to our core. It's not about showing off or fooling ourselves into believing that we are more evolved than the next person. It's about being right-sized and about understanding our essential placement in the unfolding of the universe. I mentioned in the beginning of this episode that the timing of sharing this topic was pretty important to me. So many of us have gone through inner transformations while the world around us has transformed in the last two years. And if you're anything like me, you woke up this morning feeling different than you did two years ago. And I want to tell you that it's okay. I know the feeling can be shocking or it can knock us off balance for a little bit. That happens to me all the time. But if you are in the process of reentering the world in some way or reentering into relationships with more physical presence and you feel unsure of yourself, then this episode was for you. It's just a gentle reminder that who you are at your core is worthy. And we need more of your everlasting elements and characteristics, not less. If you are like me and you have a daily meditation practice, I encourage you to sit for a few minutes each day and just picture what it would feel like to walk into every room and to feel others breathe a sigh of relief, to watch other people relax, to know that you bring the peace. Connect with that feeling. Bring yourself back there time and again It has so much to teach you. I haven't closed one of these episodes with a tiny love letter in a while, mostly I've just been posting them to my personal Instagram stories, but I thought I would share one that I wrote last night. Here is a tiny love letter to back then. Two years ago today, I didn't know what to think. I was in a new quote-unquote temporary home in Portland, still shaking the sand out of my clothes from Oahu, and completely disoriented. My mind kept taking me back to the hike above Lanikai Beach, the taste of papaya, salt, and lime, and what it felt like to silently drop below warm waves. Weightless, quiet, held, the way I used to lay in the bathtub as a kid, holding my breath as long as possible intoxicated by the silence. Knowing that if anyone were to break through the water and disrupt my peace, I would know it instantly, even with my eyes closed. I think about the stress I carried in my body as a kid, and I instantly stop breathing. When we stop breathing, it's a sign that we are trying not to feel something. And something about these last two years reminds me of laying in a shallow bathtub holding my breath, and trying not to feel. On the one hand, these last two years forced so many of us to tell the truth about things, things we'd rather keep hidden, like our coping mechanisms, our reactivity, our defense mechanisms, and the worst truth of all, the hubris that we thought we'd have another chance, or more time, or a more convenient opportunity for everything. I wonder what you would have told yourself back then. What would you have said on this day in March of 2020 that would have been the air in your lungs for these last two years? What could have made this grief, anxiety, fear, anger, and stress any easier? What would you have told yourself to think, say, feel, or do? I think of myself in that bathtub. I think of myself hiking above the ocean. I think of my last moment underneath the waves. I think of myself standing in a cold bedroom in a temporary house in Portland, rubbing my hands together to wipe the sand off them as I unpacked my clothes. I think about which people, places, and things in my life I have incorrectly assigned to the temporary category when they were really shaping, changing, and redirecting me who were you back then? Who are you now? Well, until next week, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. Check out this week's playlist on my personal Spotify account and join me on Instagram and TikTok for daily journal prompts at love letters and mixtapes. If you enjoyed this episode, consider making a monthly donation to support this podcast by clicking the link in my Instagram bio or scrolling down to the notes section of this episode.